0: Welcome. This episode of Inside the Genome is a recent recording of Myriad Oncology Live, a webinar hosted by me, Dr. Thomas Slavin, Chief Medical Officer for Myriad Genetics. The opinions and views expressed in this recording do not necessarily represent those of Myriad Genetics or its affiliates. To participate in a future recording, please visit Myriad Live for a list of dates, times, and subjects. I look forward to exploring the world of genetics with you all. Hello everyone. Welcome to NSGC where we are live for Myriad Live. We have uh, Kira Dineen with us today. Uh, Thank you so much. You are the host of DNA Today podcast, also a prenatal genetic counselor. So excited to have you here. Thank you.
1: Thank you for inviting me, TJ. Yeah, it's really fun to be able to talk about everything that's been going on at NSGC. And as you said, I focus on the prenatal side. Um, so it's just great to be able to talk about all the carrier screening, the non-invasive prenatal yeah. screening. Um, you guys have some great products.
0: Yeah. Today we're talking about advancing health equity and prenatal care. When we think about prenatal testing, uh, often we think of uh, non-invasive prenatal testing in today's era. We think of expanded carrier screening and carrier screening. Uh, you know, at Myriad, we uh, have been really leaders in that space. We uh, have our non-invasive prenatal test, Prequel, which uh, you've heard of. And uh, that is using Amplify technology. We've really tried to bring that in to help with the the equity component, uh, particularly around those individuals that have high BMI, uh, body mass index that, uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the fetal fraction isn't as high as you would want. And they end up with a lot of test failures. So our uh, test really tries to solve for that problem by amplifying up some of that fetal fraction uh, so we get the best results possible no matter uh, what somebody's body mass index is. Uh, and also our Foresight uh, uh, carrier screening test, which has really been around. I, I was a uh, personal person that, that took that when uh, be- before it was uh, when it was at the company council. Sure, sure, It became, sure, it yeah. became Myriad, and uh, I loved it back then, and it's uh, still just a fantastic... It's a fan-favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fan-favorite market-leading test. So, you know, what, what's been your experience in, um, you know, kind of incorporating this testing yeah, in your practice?
1: Definitely. So I think you mentioned Amplify, which... I remember learning about, I think maybe a couple NSGCs ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so great, as you mentioned, for high BMI patients that with other labs, we get that low fetal fraction. And it's really scary because it comes with a high risk for having a genetic condition for baby. Um, so it's really great that when I have ordered um, Prequel, so your, your brand of NIPS, I've never had that problem, which is really shocking because like every other lab, you have that at least sometimes. Some labs you know, are better than others with it, but it, it's great because then patients from, you know, that are different VMIs are not getting different care, yeah. and so I, I really like that aspect of, you know, for fetal fraction from other labs, you're kind of used to, let's say, you know, between like five to like maybe 12%, but you guys, it's like, well, just double that, and that's the baseline. Yeah. It's usually like between like I don't know and somewhere in the middle of the 20s usually so and it's just fantastic you always get results you don't have to worry about that no result low fetal fraction
0: have you ever had a, a time in clinic where it's really like you can think of like wow that really made a difference
1: so in terms of prequel yes so not necessarily the amplify technology but the other part that you guys do is you look at every chromosome which i think is really helpful so it's not just the core 13 18 21 sex chromosomes but also looking at every other chromosome. So we I've had a couple of cases like trisomy 7, trisomy 9 that, mm-hmm. oh, that right? would not necessarily be picked up from oh, so other what? testing that I've ordered before for mm-hmm. NIPS. And we were able to find this out at like, you know, 10, 11 weeks and that allowed patients to then have these conversations decide, are we doing a CVS, are we doing an amniocentesis? Yeah. And we had a lot more time to process that information. And I don't know when we would have identified that because, you know, at 10 weeks, you don't really have many findings on ultrasound. Yeah. So it gave us such a heads up in those cases. And the patients were just so appreciative of that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's uh, one of the the benefits of doing expanded aneuploidy screening. So looking for those other chromosome markers. And um, yeah, I mean, they they, uh, definitely come up, especially early in pregnancies and things. So yeah, that's great. What um uh, uh you know when when you think of the whole landscape of you know what we need to do for advancing equity and prenatal care I mean what are what are some of the things that really come top of mind? I, can...
1: I think one aspect I think about that changed about two years ago is the ACOG guidelines. I think it's practice bulletin two two six if I'm saying that right, and where they said for the first time that all pregnant people should be offered carrier screening and NIPS and. and I'm not sure on the carrier screening actually, but NIPS. So I think that was a big change because then I saw insurance companies covering it not just for people 35 or older delivery, so advanced maternal age, but for people that are any age. Yeah. Um, so that was a big shift. I think once ACOG releases guidelines, then insurance companies are like, okay, now we need to you know up the game in terms of who we're covering. Yeah. So I think that's been great. Um, and I think on the, the carrier screening side, we're seeing more GYNs. Offer carrier screening when someone brings up, "Oh, we're thinking about maybe conceiving and we're trying to conceive in the near future," um, which is what I really hope that that becomes just a normal part of your GYN, yeah. your annual it's really, visit. Yeah,
0: how do you get it to that right audience? Right, so you know yeah. you know the carrier status before you're starting it. Yeah,
1: have and it's it's so great in my tiny practice because yeah. Yeah, exactly. when a patient. Does go to their annual GYN visit and they mention this, they say, Oh, book an appointment with Cure on the way out. And then we get to chat. So, in my little microcosm, it's great because people are offered care screening prior to conception. Um, I just hope that that becomes much more standard of care in yeah, the
0: future. Yeah, for sure. And are you seeing, sure. um, you know, as, as uh, you, know, you had mentioned that now non invasive prenatal. Screening is just becoming very commonplace, uh, you know, whether you, uh, you, you know, it was advanced maternal age and different mm-hmm. things. So now it's uh, becoming more uh, ubiquitous. Um, you know, you practice in New York. What, what's going on with quad screening?
1: So, time? I mean, I can't remember last time I ordered <laughs> quad screen. <laughs> yeah. um, we used to say, right, like, oh, this is a new test. But now it's yeah. been like 10 years. So I'm like, I don't think I can say that anymore. It's not a new yeah. test. Um, Most people, if they've had pregnancies before, if that was in in recent history and there's not a big age gap between kids, then they've done it before. So it's not necessarily that you're giving them new information. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we're phasing out of serum screening, quad screening, first trimester screening. I mean, you bring up a good point. I practice in the greater New York City area, so the level that we're at may be different from other parts of the country. And that's part of like the ACOG guidelines of what they put out there needs to be doable so we some areas of the country may not be able to offer that for all patients because insurance is not necessarily going to cover that for all patients so i think that's part of it what's actually feasible to do and what do we want to be doing i think there's always that disconnect a little bit in genetics and always a little bit behind in that sense but you know hopefully that that is being caught up and even with carrier screening of ordering like three conditions it's like yeah when i see that being ordered in in 2022 i'm like hmm can we can we do it just and I don't know if we're still calling it expanded carrier screening, but, you know, I tend to say just a long list of yeah, conditions, right? Just, yeah. just keep it generic. <laughs> yeah. um, but something that's more than three conditions, I think yes. is really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, getting back to the, you know, advancing health equity. I mean, that's really the the core of it when you think of carrier screening, because, you know, when you're just looking at a few uh, set of conditions, it's not really taken into that global, you know, what is common across global populations and things that we can really see bad autosomal recessive disorders yeah yeah, yeah.
1: certainly it's like you want people to have the same level of care no matter where they are if we're just talking about the U.S. but you know no matter where they are in the country that you don't want people in New York getting different care from say the Midwest or the South or wherever you are Um, and I think that by having people just ordering you know this long list of conditions then we're just covering so much more and just having that equity of care there
0: yeah absolutely and in, in your experience using that, uh, you know, because uh, getting back to the Amplify technology sure. on the non-invasive prenatal testing front, I mean, have you been seeing a lot of failures when you've been ordering?
1: I have not had one failure. Yeah. And I've ordered quite a long yeah, list of tests yeah. from you guys. Um, so I have not had one failure, yeah, which I, yeah. I don't know if I can say that for other labs yeah. um, off the top of my head, but I just remember being like, wow, like not only is the fetal fraction very high, you no know, failure rates. Um, you know, unless there's an error on my end, right? Yeah. So <laughs> somehow a no, tube doesn't never. get labeled, you know, right? So there's always that human error. But in terms of like running, you know, through the tasks, I've never had an issue, which is really remarkable, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's incredible. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's just so nice to have that uh, technology because it's really been, I mean, our... Right now, uh, we're able to call out ninety nine point nine percent of results, so it's yeah. it's been really incredible, and that is uh, really regardless of uh, BMI. And we are you know, in the midst of presenting some research that really just shows, you know, across ancestries, across uh, BMI, that um, you know, it's just able to make such accurate calls.
1: Yeah, you know, and sometimes, like if I have patients that are coming from other practices that um, have gotten um, NIPS from someone else with that low fetal fraction say, well, yeah, we could jump to amnio or we could try doing myriads prequel and seeing what information we get from that just to have a little bit more information at that point. I mean, obviously it's not going to replace diagnostic testing. But that's gonna make us maybe feel a little bit better as opposed to that low fetal fraction. So that's another scenario where like I will, you know, and I don't I don't know how many other people do it that way, but I've heard of others. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people at least. Yeah.
0: yeah. Tell me a little bit about DNA today. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So um, we just celebrated ten years of the podcast, so that's been really exciting. Yeah. Um, we've produced two hundred episodes and it's just been a blast. I've talked to so many people, leaders in genetics, and it's just so great to be able to capture so many different voices. So certainly genetic counselors like myself, but also patient advocates have just been such great interviews because, you know, as I say to even my own patients, there's only so much I can tell you about a condition that I don't have or family members of mine don't have. But... Connecting with someone that has that disorder or is a caregiver of someone that has that disorder is just, there's nothing else like yeah. it. You can't replace that. Um, and it's just so great to be able to capture those voices and offer a platform yeah. for people.
0: And it's just the education. I mean, it really gets back to your point of, uh, you know, when you're seeing patients that have three genes ordered on carrier screening, <laughs> it's, it's like that lack of you know, getting the word out there sometimes that we need to really strive to do to make sure that we're, you know, fulfilling those barriers, uh, you know, educating the populace is ordering these types of testing. And that way, when people come to you, Mm -hmm. they've had appropriate carrier screening and yes, Yes, the best in in class prenatal care.
1: Yeah. We really try to have the episodes be understandable by anyone listening. You know, I have family members like my grandmother listens and she's like, yeah, I was able to follow that. She doesn't have a background in, in science or biology. so you know not every episode does that because sometimes we really like nerding out and I like can't help myself but most of the time episodes like if you're you know a student pursuing genetics you know it's something that hopefully you can be learning from or if you're a patient advocate yourself or something yeah Yeah. so No.
0: i've heard it's it's almost as good as inside the genome podcast you know we're
1: we're right (laughs) behind you guys i think and maybe there's a collaboration in our future you know um but yeah no it's it's been it's been an exciting 10 years i mean so much has changed in genetics in 10 years and it's cool that i've been able to document that on the show as well as my own you know, career in genetic counseling because I started when I was, you know, a high schooler. So, yeah, no. um, you know,
0: I've definitely uh, come a long way in 10 years. You've so. Clearly done a lot. It's uh, really you know, really, <laughs> really fantastic to have you on and uh, yeah. all the great things that you're doing for your patients. And yeah, yes, thanks, as, as people yeah. see, we clearly have a lot to do to continue to advance equity across the space in prenatal care, but we're making huge oh. strides. So, thank yeah, you very I much really for coming are. on today. Thanks everyone for listening.
1: Thank you.